0: coming up on the Louis Diaz podcast.
1: I think the reason this relationship has lasted so long is cuz I've been fangirling on this guy since I was like in year 1 and like for me it was just this this genius wants to produce my music? Okay. Sure. Let's do it. Like what do I have to lose?
0: Hi and welcome to the Louis Diaz podcast, the podcast where you'll meet some of the most fascinating and incredible people from all walks of life. And together, we're inviting you in to be our special guest as we take you through some of their amazing experiences, adventures, and journeys. So sit back and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Louis Diaz Podcast. Okay, welcome everyone to another episode of the Louis Diaz Podcast. It's a really great pleasure for me to be bringing you two amazing artists today, Natasha Edjaz and Rashad Rajan. We're here to talk about the launch of your debut album, Natasha, that you'll be bringing out soon. Welcome both of you and yes if i could get natasha maybe for you to introduce yourself that would be awesome and then we'll go with Rashab.
1: all right hi um first off thank you so much for having us and help like getting us to promote this album and starting a which a journey that i don't even know what Rashab and i are up for for the next year but thank you this is really really special um i'm natasha jazz i'm a pakistani singer songwriter i have been writing music since I was 15 years old. Today is a place, which I think you've heard, Louis, was my first single and my journey was essentially that I was self-taught initially and then at age 21 I decided that I wanna go study music properly and I got some local grants together and ended up in Malaysia um, in a school called the International College of Music where Rishabh was my recording and mixing and mastering teacher. And I had been writing some music, and I I want Rishabh to go into, like, why we started In My Gig Glitchy together, which was our first collaborative project. But just to introduce the rest of my journey, after college, I went back to Pakistan and continued a recording career and a live performance career, and have been dabbling in a lot of things other than that i've been doing theater also since i was really young so i've done some acting projects and i'm a dancer so i do choreography and a lot of the work that i have presented to the world that is mine if it features dance in it that's my own choreography and you know i've just um, since i graduated i've been on residency programs around the world and they've been of different kinds i've been to like big choir programs but I've also been to like specifically just DJ programs and electronic music programs in Berlin which was really exciting because I would go to clubs and I would sit and like a nerd like have a notebook and everybody's like and I'm just like observing people and taking notes and I'm like what is this frequency doing to them and you know it was like my friends were like why are we taking you to parties this is so embarrassing you're not doing anything fun so and like a huge part of my personal musical journey I started playing the guitar and writing songs on guitar but like eventually like when I started production which is what I studied under the tutelage of people like Rishabh and a lot of other fantastic teachers when I got in the DJ and electronic world I was just really fascinated by how DJs sort of approach sharing music and sharing basically what they love to listen to but like to an audience full of people that want to dance or whatever and I just slowly and steadily while I was in Pakistan would try to learn and try to like find this amalgamation of songwriting and DJing and like how to bring that together. And then I just, you know, I'd been writing, a lot of stuff happened in my personal life and I stopped actively a music career for a little while, but I continued writing. And then eventually when Rishab and I got back in touch, luckily I had some songs that had been lying around that I shared with him that he enjoyed. <laughs> And was excited about producing and then eventually there is some songs on the album right now that i've written as recently as two months ago so that's kind of pretty much what my journey is i travel the world i do residencies i teach currently i'm a visiting faculty at the Kathmandu jazz conservatory in Kathmandu, and so it's a really nice space because i have access to their studio and a lot of really fantastic musicians here and it's been kind of like a mix of teaching and residency space while i've been here
2: and um yeah that's me
0: nice nice what an introduction and
2: yes rishab tell us about yourself yes so yeah my name is rishab rajan um <laughs> excuse me unlike natasha i did not start writing music when i was 15. <laughs> I started much later, but I've mainly been in education most of my career. So I've been teaching, I started teaching in India, then I taught in Malaysia, and that's where I met Natasha. And now I'm teaching in the US. So um, along this journey of teaching, I've always felt like since I started teaching fairly early, I still want to be constantly doing stuff, you know, whatever that might be in in the music world. And uh, music production was something that I thought that would be something I want to keep doing on the side. So I kept doing that, uh, either writing music by myself or eventually then thinking about collaborations. And if I'm not mistaken, the collaboration that me and Natasha did was one of my first collaborations of its kind. It was like 2011 or so. Yeah, and then she left Malaysia, and then a few years later, I left Malaysia, and yeah, many years later, we we reconnected, and was and and since then, I had done some collaborations with some other people, just you know, singles here and there, doing covers. I like doing covers, like taking an existing song, then kind of like reinterpreting it and, and just just kind of giving it like a different light or something like that. But I want I wanted to do something original. And I was thinking, like, I could write music by myself, but I really like like the idea of taking somebody else's music, kind of like doing a cover, <laughs> taking somebody else's music and like really bringing it to light in a in a specific way. But in this case, it's an original composition, right? So let's say Natasha writes something, I will think about, okay, what, what will be the best way to present this, and and she also produces a lot of the music, to be honest. So she will send me an entire project that has everything like from drums to bass to uh, to everything else. Then I will do like little things here and there, like adjusting, you know, making sure that it sounds good, making sure the, the sounds that are used are appropriate. And I'll think about what else can be added on. I'll give her some suggestions in terms of additional vocals to record. Uh, sometimes I'll record instruments from my end. Sometimes she will record, as she mentioned, uh, she has access to some good musicians. In fact, one of the tracks in the album is pretty much all recorded by her. She recorded uh, everything in Kathmandu. So yeah, so just, just uh, working with her, producing, that's that's mainly my thing. And then my day job is going back to school and teaching. <laughs> that's primarily what I do.
0: Yeah, thanks both for introducing yourselves. One of the things that really I love so much about your story is that you've worked together in the past, uh, as you sort of mentioned there, Rashab. Before we go into the tracks or anything like that, I just wanted to drop that I'm fascinated by the length of the relationship that you two have had that you know it started a decade plus ago and that it still continues on and one of the beautiful parts of being able to come in to your journeys at this stage and be so welcome in and be given access to the music that you're creating prior to releasing it which has been a brand new experience for me i've got to say um, was that I was able to go back through SoundCloud and then look at the work that you were doing together on Get Glitchy or Getting Glitchy. Was it? Getting? It might get glitchy. <laughs> I'm going to get it wrong. I'm going to get glitchy. I
1: mean, once you're done talking, I want to talk a little about that, but please continue.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. And Basically, what I wanted to say is it's nice to have access to not only the, what your current work but your evolution from how I hear it, both yourself as an artist, Natasha and yourself as a I guess a producer as well that's helping with the engineering side of things and Rashab and, and how that evolution together has happened. It's really really a privilege. but shall we introduce the album and then you know you can take us down a rabbit hole that I was sort of taking us down just there, Natasha.
1: Yeah, for sure. First things though, like I feel like Rishabh is very very humble. Yes. Um, I can and tell. I want to I want to add some <laughs> stuff which is look when I went, I got to ICOM, I was like this Pakistani girl who had no access to the kind of stuff that I really wanted to learn and I got to college and I'd started with a with like a foundation in music degree and switched over in my second semester to the certificate in audio production, which is why that's where I really met Rishabh properly. And at the time, the reason it might get glitchy started was he was doing a thesis in which part of his thesis was creating plugins from scratch for a songwriter, is what he was researching and making. I don't remember what software you were using, Risha, but the vocoding work on it might get glitchy was his own plugin. And so it wasn't like for me, I see the reason I switched from an FIM to a CAP, which is the two different certificates was because I was limited in terms of resources and funds because I'd gotten a grant and i only had enough money to be able to study a certain amount of semesters. And I switched, kind of also, Rishabh and I started talking about this album and I realized that like the kind of learning I'm going to get from this guy, I would not get from... You know, there was no other resource that was going to be available to me. I mean, I did extra classes and I learned composition and I did arrangement and vocals and all of that. But really, in My K. Glitchy was my first residency in attendance. And it was the first time that I got to. Because what Rishab is really great with, he's super generous with his knowledge. He's super generous with what he's doing. He's also like a nerd like me. So he's excited about it. So it would be very much that he... like. Just the amount that I learned from the experience of doing it might get glitchy, which, by the way, started in Malaysia but ended once I had left because we did two tracks in Malaysia and two tracks while I shifted back to Pakistan. And so I think the reason this relationship has lasted so long is because I've been fangirling on this guy since I was like in year one. And like for me, it was just this, this genius wants to produce my music. Okay, sure let's do it, like, what do I have to lose? But, like, he would take me to the studio, and he would show me everything, and initially, like, part of his thesis and part of the work that we did with the Mike Giglitchi, which I've removed now, is we started vlogs where I would talk about songwriting, and he would talk about, he would break down the production on that songwriting, and it was, like, it was many years ago, it was, like, 15 years ago, nobody was doing it at the time, but we were both very interested in, like, trying to put out that information, And so it was like, it was like multi-layered. This entire experience for us was multi-layered. And I think part of our journey together has been that personally, I just feel like he's one of the first people that completely trusted me in terms of my musicality. And when I wrote Badal, it was specifically because he said, I want to do a song like... Uh, where are we? What the hell is going on? That song, Imagine Heap. He's like, can you write something for this kind of thing? Because I want to make this plug-in. And I was like, okay. So, I mean, just by virtue of that, like, you know, he wanted to do a vocoder song and he told me to compose it. That song didn't exist before this idea existed. And then... I researched the song, heard it like crazy, and then I was like, what's my version of this? And then I wrote "Bottle," which incidentally, since we wrote it and released it, I've had the pleasure of now performing with orchestras and... God knows what not, you know. So really, it was like this mentorship that I got from him that was absolute trust that enabled me to be like, hey, you're writing this level of stuff. Can you push yourself? So, I mean, I have really enjoyed this journey with him because he really does push me and he challenges me. And also, he accepts my quirky ideas. And I mean, he taught me how to quirk. He put a cat in Khwab. That was one of the songs in it, My get glitchy. And he's like, I'm going to put a meow cat in this. Are you okay with it? And I was like... You're amazing. Yes, please put a cat in my song. (laughs) And in fact, even Khwab, there's a song on him, I get glitchy, which was a straight song. It was a straight blue song. And then he's like, can we go Latin in the middle? And that, aspect of the composition and arrangement has carried through in the second EP that I recorded and I, you know, kind of paid homage to that with a band next time, you know, and it's more fairly recently that I've kind of allowed myself to call myself his friend and not just his student (laughs) or co-producer, like me putting my title as co-producer with him is like the biggest, like for me that's a huge achievement, so I just wanted to put all that out there because I don't know if Rashab remembered all of this or even saw it this way But yeah, I mean, I, it's, uh, you know, when he got back in touch, and in fact, before this album, there was one song that I wrote and produced completely entirely on my own, and he mastered and mixed it for me. And that was very kind of him. It's called God and Me. And it was a very special song to me. And it was a very special part of my writing and production journey. And like, for me, it's just been like a little tick. It's like, if I send Rishab a project and he uses 50% of my stems, I feel like I'm growing. So that's definitely one of those things that I really wanted to put out there because I, you know, Rishab doesn't show up for interviews a lot
0: mm-hmm. and he
1: doesn't show up to promote himself a lot. And, um,
0: I know, I, try I to have do been research. talking
1: <laughs> about him. I know, I know, but you don't, you know, I've been talking about you for years, but now I get to talk about you with you in the room and it's just, so and special. it's
0: even more awkward than you imagined. <laughs> no it's not awkward at all i mean and i think the flattery is kind of justified and it's it's nice for my audience to really understand you know if they don't from their own personal experiences the depth that you learn someone when you've known them for such a long time but not just knowing them you've done creative work together And that's when I feel like people really reveal their true selves. Um, And when I say...
1: Also, 60% of the guitar work on the album is Rishabh. So much of the bass work is Rishabh. So much of, like, Cookie Jar, what it sounds like right now is not the demo I sent him, you know. He's a... Very, very capable musician and mm. has added much more to the album than he has told in his introduction. So I just wanted to put that out there. I'm going to shut up.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's it's a really great point. I mean, like I said, it's that depth that you get with someone through that creative process. I imagine, Rashab, it's like you're not just... It's like a problem-solving thing that you're doing together. You are also, at times, maybe even that problem solving aspect of putting a creative piece of work together, I can imagine means sometimes that you hit roadblocks together that you don't know how to get past or you don't know where you're going to go next or that you get frustrated potentially because you you may have hit a roadblock and then there's those moments where you've just done it where the genius has just, it's come together and it's blissful and it's joy and yeah, I mean, you can be as quiet as you want, Rashad, but you know, the, the work speaks for itself, and uh, of course, Natasha's is also speaking uh, about you. But to tell us a little bit about your side of that story, then as well, because I feel like Natasha's given a lot of insight into her emotional journey with you through the years. But, like, tell me, how's it been for you? <laughs> be honest, me. yeah, I mean, this is a the... safe circle. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, there's there's uh, there's so much. I, I'm not sure what to talk about. There, but so okay, so maybe I'll, I'll talk about this. Uh, my role, maybe right? So so what what do I do? I recently watched this uh, series on on television. I'm not sure which network this was on. I think Paramount. The Offer is, is um, it's not a very popular series, but it's basically the story reenactment dramatization of how The Godfather was put together, uh-huh. the, the movie, okay. The Godfather. So, the, But the story was from the producer's perspective, and I found that very fascinating. So what this producer went through to make that movie happen, like getting involved with the actual mafia, with politicians, getting almost shot, in fact, literally getting shot at, and doing all kinds of weird things, shady things at times, but just to make that movie happen. And it's incredible because it's one of my favorite movies. So and I and I felt like that that's my role, right? So that's my role as a producer. Whatever it takes to make this thing. You're happen. saying that so Natasha's actually not... <laughs> shot at you. Is that is that what you're trying no, to say? No, no. Right I now? put him
1: in situations where he's been shot at. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But yeah, just, just uh, you have this piece of work that you hear and usually initially it's in its it's in its rawest form. And then you're like, okay, now I need to bring this to an audience, but we can't just present it like this. So what, what do we need to do to make it presentable? And weirdly, even though I say rawest form and then doing stuff to it, a lot of times I like, and Natasha will agree with this, that I like her initial performances. Because when we, uh, mm-hmm. like for example, the single we've already released, Se Bate, She had done like a home recording and then... Managed to get some studio time in Pakistan, recorded it, and I was like, "This is not going to work. It doesn't work at all. This is not how it's supposed to be." Because I like that initial. I still feel like in deep. It is in deep production, right? We don't have we don't have a big record label. We don't have big money. We're just doing this everything. This room I'm in. Most of the instruments were recorded in this room. For my end, Natasha, wherever she's at in Nepal or in Pakistan, she record most of the stuff at home. But then she'll go to a studio to kind of re-record if she has access to that. But sometimes that environment doesn't quite lead to what the song is about. Because it's, it's, it's a home production album. It's supposed to be this very intimate thing. So then, secretly, I will still keep the raw, quote-unquote, bad recordings. And wherever it's not quite working, I'll throw in the where I feel the flow is still there. I'll keep the studio recording, uh-huh. but yeah, that's that's what happened with Kut Se Bate, the single we released, and that's also kind of what's happening now. Though we did record some parts in the studio that I was like, okay, this this works. So let's keep this this version because the f- the feel, the flow, is still very much like the home recording of the original demo. And I feel like I, at this point, I don't really mind. We've had a lot of issues of noise and all that stuff because we're not you know recording in home studio environments kind of embrace that as the quality or the quirkiness if you use that oh, word now <laughs> of of the of the entire album yeah so um, why not right that's our sound we we don't have a huge studio so yeah. we embrace what we have so i do like yeah. that and yeah
1: and i think i good. think as this process has gone and he's shared this with me i think one thing Rishab and i really i really learned from him is not to take anything personally so he will give me feedback and i i really have to be okay with that feedback oh. And a lot of that feedback is that your initial recordings were just so much better because they were so much purer and they had the intention. And so, I mean, as this album has progressed, I've also then, if for any reason I'm not able to record at home and not feeling comfortable or that's not coming, I think one of the songs that we featured rap in, I ended up not giving a demo. I ended up writing all day and just going straight to the studio and recording that first instinct And that's what he loved, Uh right? So then we, over time, kind of, I understood where he was coming from also. Also, I have to say my background is like, again, I do so many things. I do musical theater, I do film, I do voice acting. So I always want to go and like act more or do more or be more, you know? And he's always reeling me back in, going like, no, but you're you're just that. There's a space for that, but you just have to trust again. Trust. Like he's taught me how to trust myself, which is your go with your gut, go with your first instinct, and trust that like what that will be will be good. So there's been some compromises on this album in terms of those final vocal takes, and some of them I've read it like three, four times. But you know, I, I uh, I've worked with other engineers and producers that really put you down, oh. that really kind of make you feel really bad about it Rishab doesn't do that Rishab just you know he says it straight and it's easy to take because he doesn't say it with any other kind of tonality uh, and so it's been a process and I think album number two will maybe not have these issues but maybe other issues we, who, knows? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs>
0: who
2: knows we should we should probably talk about the rap because that was quite yeah talk about the rap we'll talk about the mafia a... <laughs> all right let's let's talk about the rap so prior to this one song we did where Natasha is rapping, the two of us together have never done any song where she's rapped before. Oh. I did not know that she can rap. We had initially used somebody else to rap on this particular song. And then for some some reason, just didn't work out with that person. The rap was good, but just, there you know, there were some issues. So, and we were in this process of, let's find someone else who can rap. And Natasha suggested that she'll try it. And I was like, okay, fine, let's try it. But I was like, hey, do you even know how to rap? Like, what's, <laughs> what is it going to sound like? Right? It's like a separate thing, right? Yeah. Just because you're a singer doesn't mean you know how to rap. Yeah. And vice versa. Like, we've heard rappers sing. Yep. So, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, this may not be the best. And then as I find, try, I'm always open to trying something, even myself. You know, I'd be like, what would happen if I sat here and clapped myself 10 times later, recorded myself? Would that sound good? Let's try it. It might take half an hour, but let's see if it works. If not, we can always, you know, delete yeah. it. So she did the rap. She sent it to me. We mainly communicate through WhatsApp, right? She'll send files over WhatsApp. So I open it up and then I was like, okay, this is the best rap I've ever heard in my entire life that combines English and Urdu, like the... The Switch, there's an Indian movie, I'm forgetting, I uh, told Boy. Natasha about this. Gully Boy, yeah. So that I've, I watched that recently and I was very inspired. oh this is really cool, this whole vibe. I didn't know that in India we have this kind of hip-hop underground scene and even in Pakistan right. as well. Right, so, no way. Um, so I heard that rap, um, Natasha's rap, the way it's, the, the story she tells with, in the rap and the way it switches back and forth between the two languages. And if you understand both languages, you understand the story so much. It's just amazing, the, the rap she did. And I was thinking, why were we wasting time on this other rapper when she can, you know, she had, she'd done such a brilliant job. So that, yeah, I'm very excited about that song. And that song also, coincidentally, I always like this idea of... I love vocals. I cannot sing. Maybe that's why. So uh, earlier, we t- uh, Natasha talked about this whole acapella song was just a voice with, like, synthetic harmonies playing in the background. I think I remember at some point telling her, can we do a song like that? And But it didn't really happen. But what ended up happening was one of the songs... Thank <laughs> you where we had a full arrangement, we ended up stripping it down and making it into this a cappella song. Mostly, that's, it's not 100% a cappella, but it is mostly a cappella. And the rap is mostly a cappella, which is, I don't know, I think it works really, really well. Usually for rap music, hip hop music, you need a beat to rap to. But the way she's rapping, the groove is already there. You feel it completely. So it's it's really incredible the way she performed that. Way, yeah, that It came out really well. And we we have another song with the rapper, but it's uh-huh. this one is a different rapper.
1: Yeah, we tried to recreate the magic with me a second time it didn't work
0: <laughs> it's a
2: one-off
1: like if you can do this <laughs> if you can do this why do you try it again um, <laughs> no but the the rap journey has been in, I love consuming just every kind of music and Gully Boy when Rishabh mentioned it I'm just a huge fan of that film anyway and it was always a desire of mine to do it. But, you know, it's one of those things where, like, if I don't know how to do it, I will just come off inauthentic on the record. And whatever you do on the record, just inauthenticity doesn't fly, mm-hmm. right? And for me, I think the real switch happened when he sent me this acapella arrangement of that track that he's talking about. Because initially, we were looking at different people, and we were thinking of a different arrangement. It just wasn't working out. And then he sent me this synthesized version of it and something just happened and i was like i don't know why but i feel like i know what to do with this and that was that like i wake up super early i wake up at like six in the morning and i woke up and i i was just in this zone and i was processing life and i was processing things and i literally walked around katwandu and i wrote one part of the verse at home and then i got my stuff together and i went to a cafe and i had breakfast and i after breakfast wrote the second two lines then On the way to college, on the way to the conservatory, I was just thinking about things. And then I wrote, I wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote. And then I got to the studio and I still hadn't had that Urdu part. That switching of language hadn't happened yet. Then I got to the studio and I was just like, Natasha, just put the mic in front of you and see what comes out. And it just flowed. And I was like, yo, if he likes it, he likes it. If he doesn't, he doesn't. And his response was very cute. He was like, Allah, (laughs) Jesus. This is so weird. Why are we wasting time? <laughs> and then I was like, you know, if even if it happened if it's magic, I got to create it once, it was very organic. And I had in my mind his notes about just do your first instinct. And so I decided not to come home and do a demo and be like, Do you like it? Can I figure out how to perform it? Maybe I will do this. Cause then when I get into my head, like there's thirty-five ways to perform something, right? Like I go into musical theatre zone at some point. So I was just like And I don't know, when I was recording it, something just felt really real to me. And I mean, there's references in there, but like there's references in there almost talking about the fact that I can go around in circles trying to find someone to do this. But really, like, I guess, you know, in some ways we find our best friend and our best collaborator within ourselves. And that's what the rap is about, you know. So Mm. I guess that was also one of those situations where I wouldn't have thought I could do it until he presented
2: the song differently mm-hmm. to me yeah awesome i also like the idea in in rap in western rap it's historically let's say the whole east coast versus west coast war that happened it's always dissing each other if you understand urdu you will hear a bit of natasha's dissing in a very cool uh-huh. way i love, love the way she did it it was really cool cool
0: yeah. yeah well let me just strip this back for a little bit and firstly i want to say that after what you've both just said about working together and and what you both bring to the projects that you work on, I'm getting that yin-yang kind of symbol coming to mind. Like Natasha, you're super creative, always thinking of ways of how to do things. You want to elaborate on things. You don't want to just sing it. You want to dance it. You want to choreograph it. You want to spin it up in lights. You want to try it left and, and then you want to try it right, right? And then you know, it feels like Rashab's really trying to pull you back to the very core essence of um, the message that you're trying to convey. Maybe I wasn't listening and I got that completely wrong, but that's how it feels to me after what you both said. And those are your superpowers in your relationship, in your working relationship, is that Rashab can see the beauty in simplicity and that first take. And that you and Natasha are able to do 30 different takes. And I love that about you two. It's such a great match. But then I also was thinking to myself, wait, the we're leaving the audience behind a little bit because we're talking about different tracks. We haven't told them the name of the album just yet. I'm not sure if you're comfortable with any of that, but I'm mindful that some of the audience will be hearing this episode after the album's been released and they're going to be like, "What what wait, what what track are you talking about? Let me go and go back and listen to that." So if you want, just drop the name of the tracks that we're going to talk about while you talk about them because I'm going to be listening to this recording going, hang on, wait, wait, I'm going to try and match up the song. So,
1: Thank you. And that's you reeling both of us in. Do do I say it now? (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, only if you're comfortable, because I'm, I'm, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't done this before. Yeah. Where we haven't released yeah, something, yeah. and you're saying that you're a right. few things are working titles as well. So I'm like, oh, do, do you yeah. go there? All
1: right, thank you. Process, right? Yeah, so yes. we were we were talking about yeah. give it up to the news, and the album's name is Ordinary Miracle, but it has it has a dual name. It's got a Urduan English name because we want to kind of have it understood and related to by as many of what him and I can represent as South Asians, but also to a more global audience. So, the album's name is Ordinary Miracle slash Give it up to the news is the track we were talking about. And incidentally, it is one of the emotions I felt like I'd never explored in a song was anger. So, uh-huh. this is my anger song. Right. Which is why there's a diss in it also.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay, because yeah. I was listening to it and I'm like, are "We get, are we getting political here? Is that what I'm kind of, yeah. is that what I'm sensing? Absolutely,
1: absolutely, absolutely. It's uh, I wrote Give It Up to the News sans the rap that you're hearing now, which yeah. was like two, three weeks prior to when we're recording this interview. Because I studied in Malaysia, I went back to Pakistan, I, I started a career as a recording and performance artist. I faced a lot of challenges by virtue of the color of my skin, the content that I'm writing, what people understand, what people don't understand, the woman that I am. I went through so many challenges just being like, yeah, but I've written the song and people just being like, choosing different things over me. And I know that that happens everywhere in the world. That's part and parcel of the occupational hazard of what we do. But it just, after a certain point, it felt very personal, strange. Yeah, it's felt really strange to me. And I didn't understand why so many things. And this is, I mean, I'm talking in the context of just music. But I'm also talking in context of relational conversations. Me walking out on the road. And then just this, like... I mean, Pakistani politics and Pakistani society has really driven so much of my choices in terms of why I choose to do so much travel mm-hmm. and why I choose to, because I don't feel understood there. And I'm not the only woman that feels not understood there. Right. And nobody's at the time that I wrote this song, the conversation wasn't as common as it's becoming now at the time. If I called someone out on harassment, if I called someone out on any kind of stuff that felt, I'm not going to say immoral, because that's not a judgment for me to cast, but just something that didn't feel right in my body. It was, I was shut up. I have been shut up so much. And it really, really, really pissed me off. And that's why I wrote Give It Up To The News, because it's almost like, with this album, what I've managed to do, thank you, Rishab, is be like, I, I know that you don't get this, but this still exists. Whether you want to put it on TV, it still exists. I'm still Pakistani. These ideas are still very Pakistani. I am born and bred here. Whether I liked it or not, I had to spend most of my time there. And don't get me wrong, I love my country, but I'm also so passionate about it. And Mm. you don't get angry at someone you don't love. You know, so it was one of those things where... And also, I've been an educator and I've been a mentor and I've done all these direction projects. And I don't feel like people approach... The work that we do in the love nurture. I think people are always comparing people to each other. I think that it is so easy to get on the phone and say things but really to live your truth and let other people live their truth. So I see criticism all around me, but I see people not doing anything about it. You know, what is walking the dock? And for me, I saw myself as someone that was literally walking the dock because I was like, I don't like this, so I'm going to go do that. And it meant that, like, maybe skill-wise, talent-wise, I might be really good, but... The struggles I've had back home have had everything to do with the way I look, you know. And initially, I remember the idea for this video, if I had done Give It Up to the News then, was to do a full Bollywood thing, but with this English song, right? And just be like... I know you don't think I'm hot, but guess what I am. And I know you don't think that I'm marketable, but guess what I am. And over the years, I've had to put myself in the position of that CEO, of that marketeer, of that person that didn't exist around me. Nobody knew how to manage my career. Nobody knew how to market me. And it's it was a thing that I really wanted to express. And I'm really lucky that I get to just say it all now. And I'm not scared. Mm-hmm and you know people around me are far more intimidated of what i have to say now and i kind of like that position
0: yeah yeah and i love everything that you touched on there and i want to sort of throw that over to rashad for a sec but also, just to slice this in there for the audience as well to help give them more context, is that, yes, the album includes a lot of English speaking lyrics. There's Urdu, there's Punjabi, there's... Is it Bengali?
1: Bengali. There's now also uh, Nepali. There's also an indigenous language from Nepal, which is not mm-hmm. local Nepali. Okay. Um, so, what yeah.
2: else do we have, it, I. I like that this album is very much south asian primarily like everybody involved from uh, the two of us the other musicians that i recorded the other musicians mm-hmm. that natasha recorded it's all 100 percent asian but it's still a, a western sounding album and that, that was my goal i want to do something that's in growing up in india we hear this copied version of the west that we tend to do in in bollywood and just yes, in india in general in the uh, when when i was growing up and it, it was always cheesy for me and growing up in india i was in a rock band and we, we found it really funny that you know you hear this. A Bollywood song and we know the original maybe it's a copy of a Michael Jackson song or a Stevie Wonder song <laughs> and, oh my god that sounds so it's so badly done so we were always like anti-establishment, Ooh, I was in a rock band and we, we were doing like you know western Iron Maiden, Pink Floyd and stuff like that back in the day so and it still to an extent exists in Asia like we are still doing this western music thing but it still feels like we're trying to ape somebody else so um, with this album, with this entire record I feel like yes it is a western produced sound but it's not done by anyone from the west and it's an asian sound it's an asian voice uh and not just literally the voice but the way we are recording the instruments that we've recorded the languages that we've recorded it's a unique sound but it's also i feel it's extremely high quality despite earlier t- telling you that it's an indie album so um, Yeah, so I'm really uh, happy with the way things have come out with all the different instruments we recorded from oud. We recorded this oud, which is like a Middle Eastern instrument. We recorded some traditional uh, Japanese flute that that came out really well as well. Very beautiful. And in India, so maybe I'll talk a bit about this. So I work in India. I have a collaborator in India. You also happen to be my student, one of my first ever students. Uh, So he runs a company. You recruit them early on in their journey. Yo,
1: it's amazing.
2: (laughs) So he um, runs a company in India, uh, it's called CryptoCypher. started off creating sample libraries for, for producers to use Indian instruments in their production. So then when he was starting off, I kind of helped him along and I kind of eventually became like a co-collaborator of that company. So in this record, we're featuring an instrument called Nagara. It's a traditional, it's kind of an ancient instrument that's not used much anymore. Think of it like taiko drums Something like that, but much, much bigger. So that instrument does not exist anymore. It's very hard to find it. So he managed to find someone who agreed to build it. So basically this instrument was built from scratch and we recorded that and it's used in one of the songs in in this production. So we're like really representing ancient Indian culture in this extremely modern light, right? it's it's not a traditional album. It's not your grandfather's album. It is a modern album that a fifteen year old kid could appreciate. But at the same time, if you really listen to the depth and the story behind these songs, it's quite at least I feel it's it's quite fascinating what we have achieved and again with a shoestring budget right we have like no money no big label who's like yeah here's throwing some money at us go go re- create this instrument from scratch and record it uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> that doesn't exist anymore right like and you hear about this in hollywood yeah. like they'll recreate these sets to mimic what happened back you know many many years ago so we are doing that with no money <laughs> yeah
1: the track he's talking about is the second title of the album it's Hire moti and it's really beautiful that that's come together the way it has because when i wrote the song i did feel an ancients so that there's a line in the, the, the opening vocal line da 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 for me for that like I was trying to hone in on some ancient, just power in me that I don't even know, right? Like I don't know what it was. Uh, I haven't spent time in prehistoric times, but what I'm trying to say is, like the the idea was, like you know, I've heard I've heard these African choirs, I've heard these Bulgarian choirs, I've heard these choirs that just they sound like they belong to the land. And so I wanted to write a a melody like that. And that's where the construction of the song started for me. It was just a feeling. Like, I've always felt like there's a vocal line with fire in it. And when we started building it, just the fact that we can... Hire moti" by the way, translates to Gems and Pearls. And the main line of the track in Urdu is which is gonna to translate to "I'm not asking for much, right?" It's about relationships. But is this delicate ideology of love? But really, it's the ancients behind it. And then he managed to get the nagara on it. He got managed to get like uh, what other instruments are there? The
2: oh yeah, oh, uh, uh, It's a Chinese another traditional Chinese instrument. Uh-huh. Yeah, we recorded that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean,
0: listening to it, I was super impressed. It's a seriously good bit of work and. I'm not going to claim to be qualified in music journalism or the music industry, but I can confidently say that I have enjoyed, I have been a big fan of musicality since I was a child. You know, some of my favorite artists, I'm an 80s and 90s kid, but one of my favorite artists, which came to me really late actually in my music journey, was Beck. But while I was listening to the album, I was getting that experimental kind of, and I'm referring to like maybe his later works, like from Midnight Vultures onwards, um, where he just found instruments to throw in there and then going back to your story of it being a whole indie experience, I was kind of trying to grasp onto this idea that you've got a budget, that you've got some big-ass production happening, but I couldn't get it because I don't see it. When I watch Natasha's stories on Instagram, and I I barely see anything from you, to be honest, but when I watch (laughs) Natasha's stories on Instagram, I'm not seeing that at all. I'm seeing you with cross legged on the floor with like a, a classical guitar in your hand. I'm seeing you in a studio. It's not a sexy studio either. Without
1: even an engineer, because the engineer was missing this entire month that I had to record. So it's like Rishab had to get rid of my laptop noise in the background. Yeah, okay. You know, like, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> yeah. So
0: I guess so like, the point is like while I'm listening to your album I'm hearing high quality sounds and musicality that I can pull from some of my favorite artists of all time. But yet I'm still looking at two incredibly talented people that are doing the best they can in their rooms, in their bedrooms, in their their, their studios, which is just, it's blown my mind, really. Thank you. One of the things that I did want to ask you though, Rishabh, is like, what is it about Natasha that draws you to working with her? Because I feel like I haven't really got that
2: from you just yet. (laughs) Um, and
0: <laughs> sure.
2: Yeah, I've worked with a lot of people over the years, collaborators and so so let's maybe I can talk a bit about the last year when, when I i reached out to her, I said, like, hey, let's do something and she's Oh yeah, let's do something. <laughs> so that I was at this point where I was thinking, Okay, I wanna do something big and significant and I was thinking, Okay, let's think about all the people I work with and I was thinking, Yeah, it has to be Natasha. This like, you know, the stuff we've done in the past, the song she writes, I just never felt like that with any other artists that I've collaborated with so it had to be uh, Natasha so I just reached, reached out to her like hey let's have a quick chat we talked about it and yeah she, had, she played me some songs we listened to it and then to went down that road it was it was a no-brainer well a little bit of a like right, that, that moment of like i want to do something significant who do i reach out to and then i'm just filtering out and then it's like it has to be natasha there's nobody else in that category of songwriting and also i, I love the idea of writing music where it's english and this other you know south asian language because we in india and in pakistan we all when we speak we mix languages even when I was living in malaysia they'll mix their local language with english so when you're talking to them you're like I understood what you said, but what was that word you threw in there? Oh, yeah, that that means something else. Because they're just mixing these. It's like a potpourri of whatever experiences they've had the different languages they speak. So, yeah, so I like representing that in music because that's us. That's how we, we communicate. I do want to talk a bit about, so we've talked about all this quality and all this stuff. I want to talk a bit about technology. Uh, the fact that I'm sitting here in Boston and Natasha keeps, you know, jumping around different parts of the world. But she's wherever she is. And we can still say that we worked on this together without literally physically being together at all. that's right? amazing that we can do that. And talking about all the noise things. I'm not a fan of using technology, even though i <laughs> very ironic, even though I am literally teaching you know, music technology. I'm not a fan of using technology to to solve a problem or fix things and remove noise and stuff like that. I, I... Because when I first learned about these tools, I always felt like, ah, oh, this is, you know, it's it's a compromise. But in this case, at certain points, we had to do that. Like when Natasha said, there was some noise in the background. Actually, the one that I was really impressed with is, so we're doing this a cappella uh, piece. So it needs to be very, very clean. Yeah. But when we had recorded it, there was a full arrangement. So uh, when a singer is recording it on the headphones, they're hearing the, the backing track. So usually there'll be some bleed from the headphone, you'll hear the drums or whatever. Uh-huh. So when we stripped out all the instrumentation, you can hear a little bit of that. In fact, if you I believe it's somewhere online, Michael Jackson's early uh, acapellas of of him just singing, beat it, and all these songs. And you can hear in the background, you, you can hear the music because it's coming through his headphones. So this happens. This is part of production, but this is an acapella song, and we don't have those instruments, and you'd hear a bit of that. Oh. So I'm like, okay, we need to clean it out. So I use this tool by this company, and I, I know I know this company. I know people who work there. I have access to all this stuff. But this is one software. I always thought, ah, oh, this is bad because you're doing this thing where you're getting rid of noise. But how well is it going to get rid of noise, and how is it going to affect the actual singing? Yeah. So I was like, all right, and I have these tools. I'm like, okay, let me just try it. It is incredible now, like in 2023. So I could just grab out that little bleed of a hi-hat or whatever, just, just pull it out and it's yeah. gone. It didn't <laughs> affect the voice really? at all. It's incredible how we can use tools to get... If you know how to use these tools, you can yeah. get fantastic results. Mm-hmm. So so that is why we can do something like this. Anybody can do something like this, right? With technology now, if you know how to use it, you can create the best possible sound without those huge, fancy Hollywood studios. <laughs> yeah, like a,
1: like And there's also all these... Sorry, you No, I was saying?
2: just going to say like a
0: drag and drop kind of thing. Instead of like saying, "Hey, I want it to cut out like these
2: frequencies between like six thousand exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the best analogy I can give you for those of you who may not understand this is, is Photoshop. Like, right now I'm looking at a picture of blue, there's, there's, uh, there's some plants in the background. Let's say I want to get rid of those plants but not affect you. Uh, or, okay, a more, a better example is, I'm seeing a plant right now it's covering this picture you have in the background. So we can get rid of the plant and we can see the picture in the background. Wow. That's how amazing it is, right? Yeah. So, Aww, so good something, that would be the, the best analogy. That's a good analogy. Yeah.
0: Because as part of this <laughs> podcast, I'm staring at sound waves all of the time and what people don't (laughs) what people might not realize is is if there's hypothetically and it rarely ever happens but some noise that i want to get rid of from that sound
2: wave i'm sorry but it's connected to all of the other good sounds like Mm. someone's voice that's yeah that's the main reason why i never thought this was a good idea because it's always yeah it is kind of connected to the sound that you want to keep so it's it's been difficult but it's it's improved a lot over the years yeah wow I mean you're right 2023 we have so
0: much at our fingertips and it's incredible that you're able to piece together an album from literally the other side of the world you're in boston and natasha you're in karachi right
1: nobody ever knows where i am
0: You're I think Rishabh might be agent. the
1: only person even beyond my family. I think Rishabh uh, might be the only person who actually knows where I am yeah, when where I where
0: are you? Where are where you?
1: I am. <laughs> 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 my manager, my ex manager used to call me where's where there's this cartoon? Where Carmen well, San well, Diego or something also. like that. Carmen San Diego, yeah. No, the yeah, yeah. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? That's what she used to be like. Where in the world is the Taj Jazz right now? <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean the quality uh, uh, I don't think if I wanted to do an album that I wanted to be good quality, I would have worked with anybody else but uh-huh. Rishabh because he. number one, he doesn't move around all the time. <laughs> but Number two, he's just really good at his job. He's just very, very good at what he does. Very meticulous, very detail-oriented. And I think, yeah, it's uh, the world has really shifted in the last 10, 15 years. I think this is why I switched to a degree in Certificate audio Production also because it's like we didn't need studios anymore. We really didn't. And now, though, I can do it without... The degree, right? I can just go on YouTube and learn everything. As long as, I think really what it takes is to be diligent. Like, you've really got to want to learn something. You've really got to want to learn something. You have to learn how to open your ears. My ears have opened up over the last 15 years, you know? What I heard 15 years ago, I hear more now. Even though it's the opposite that happens according to biology. But what I'm trying to say is that, like, as you gain more knowledge and information and awareness then, like, you're listening for things that you, you weren't always listening to. And I think in this career, in this kind of work what's really important is to have like a young mind which is that you're always willing to learn and you're always willing to like find that like Rishab didn't think this plugin in would do as well as it did right but he was willing to try it and and it's working really well for the album we are always limited by who we are right now and we've always got more to learn
0: um mm, I love that yeah yeah that's so true that that open mind Child's mindset, bringing that into a creative process, and realizing that you don't have all the answers is really powerful. And it's great that both of you have that mindset. I think, um, you know, just sort of going back to the album. I'm scrolling down here through the track list, and I'm seeing 11 tracks now, where I think I only listened to eight. So there's a few there that I haven't heard. And you were touching on earlier. Okay, I don't want to get the name of everything wrong. I got, I, I got getting glitchy. No. Oh. I, got, I, got, I got glitchy wrong before. Um, give it up to the news. You touched on giving it up to the news, being you know a little bit more of that angst. It was that being fed up is finally starting to come out in your musicality, in your in your lyrics. And we've touched on the second title track, Moti, and that being a little bit more of bringing in that sort of.
2: Ah, what would you call it? That tribal choir just, yeah. vibe?
1: World, earth,
2: world, world yeah. earth. You're just, getting a choir okay. sound with with two people. <laughs> yes yes because you can do that now <laughs> yeah and so the album
0: i felt in the bits that i listened to really did take me on journeys around different feelings and emotions where else are we sort of taking the audience on this album what are some of the, maybe oh, some I'm of the so other excited
1: this so the second the name of the album is ordinary miracle and i mean there's a song called miracle in the album and i want to touch on like we were talking about how Rusha wanted to experiment with something that kind of blends those sonic spaces which are Western and Eastern together and I really wanted to kind of talk about ideologies. So Miracle is like it's my sexy song. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I you know, it's a sexy song and like it's about like kind of stepping into the reality that like as a Pakistani woman, I I wouldn't have been encouraged to write or sing a song like this right? Because apparently that doesn't happen in Pakistan. In Pakistan, children just show up on storks.
0: I'm going to read through these lyrics again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right? So it's, it's, We're going on this journey where, like, really, I think I'm exploring as a writer, I'm exploring as many aspects of humanity that, like, I want to talk about that people don't talk about. So I've put a political song in there. I've put super lovey-dovey songs in there because that's also a side of me. But then there's, there's songs that are just hookup songs, yo. Like, you know, we need those. Uh, and like Soe Nahi is actually I wrote Soe Nahi as part of a loss I I lost my mother to cancer so I wrote this when we were deep taking care of her so there is loss there's years go by is like you know one of those uh, songs where I wanted to explore the idea of letting go and also I think I have really enjoyed putting a spin on all these really dark lessons in life Letting go is not easy. Loss is not easy. You know, having a voice and having something to say, none of this is easy, but giving it like years go by has a spin on a nostalgia towards someone you're feeling romantic towards and letting go, but it's still a dance track. And cookie jar, yo. Rishab, we haven't talked about cookie jar. Have yeah. you heard cookie jar yet? I have. <laughs> I have. Actually, Louis, I would like to ask you what you think that song is about. <laughs>
0: Oh, crap. Oh, no, you're putting me on the spot. (laughs) You know what? Okay, you're super putting me on the spot because something happened to my brain at some point in my life, and it may have been party-related, where I no longer was able to easily take in lyrics of a song, but the music and the beat is what really hits me. That's right.
1: No, but that's that's like...
0: So you're I, asking, honestly me a, I think if, but you're asking me about cookie jar, and all I'm hearing, cookie jar, <laughs> okay, great. That's so all that's going my head. Just... <laughs> that's so. That's all I wanted. People, I think. Yeah, even I, I feel like that.
1: Yeah, it happens to most people. Yeah.
0: Okay, it's not just my brain injuries, got it.
1: No, 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 no. It's no, but that song is just—it's a crazy song. It's a like in Urdu we say it's a bakwas It's bakwas It's nonsense, <laughs> and I wrote it and. Risha wanted an update on a list of songs that I want in the album and I sent him this demo and he's like what are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing to me? What is this song? And I'm like I know it sounds bizarre but I just feel like it's really going to work and it's really like it's I also wanted to explore the idea of a song that's nothing and it's just got this like funny naughtiness to it and the lyrics are One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All good children go to heaven. My hand's in the cookie jar. I bet I'll go really far. And essentially, to me, if I was to break it down and really give it some, like, intellectualize it at all, it would be, like, this light shadow. Like, we're taught to be good but Mm -hmm. inherently we're all naughty Mm -hmm. we're
0: just not cookie jar to be
1: okay with it
0: is one of your first temptations as a human on this planet there's always a cookie jar
1: like you're not allowed to touch the cookie jar it's always at the top of the fridge it's always visible (laughs) it's always visible you can always see it and so i was like but like my hands here so like in my head there's just this this kid with his hand in the cookie jar going like i guess i've done it now will i not go to heaven will i go to hell like what is this you know and also i didn't want to i didn't want to build on the lyrics i didn't think it was important to build on the lyrics i didn't think it was important to say anything at all and i think this was the first track Rishab worked on where there's more music than lyrics you know and my vision for the song was that rishab would go crazy on the production on it and that's exactly what he did right I was like look I know there's not much happening in this track but there's so much you can do so this track was not sounding like this and I just (laughs) it's so much I, mean, fun. I,
2: I like the idea of you know interpretation of what a song means it's it's different for everybody like uh, Natasha will say something about a song but when I listen to it it could it could mean some, something different and when you listen to it or when somebody else listens to it it could mean something totally different. Yeah. Um, so I like that. the the concept of a cookie jar, right? It could be translated to whatever it is mm-hmm. that a person may be feeling in that moment that they that they want to grab hold of. So yeah, so I, I like that idea where it's it's it doesn't have to be something. It's it could be whatever you want it to be, mm. yeah. and that speaks
0: to so much about what we do as artists. You know, we always have this kind of idea of what we're trying to convey, but ultimately it really is down to the listener as to what they they get out of it. And yeah. I think one of the things that I really, really love about you two working together on this debut album and your backgrounds and your different levels of genius and then you mix that on top of the fact that you're lyrically taking us on... So many different journeys, Natasha, throughout the album with lyrics, but also you, Rashab, you've got so much access to musical knowledge and, and a wealth of instrumental genius, I'm going to call it, I don't know, instrumental backgrounds that you really did have a very colorful palette to play with when it came to putting this together. And it felt to me like you used it. You didn't hold back. You weren't trying to stick to a specific look and feel or a sound throughout the album every time a new track came on i got different colors that were just coming into my mind i got different feelings
2: and different emotions and you did that so well thank you yeah yeah um which is interesting because i tend to not do that because i'm always when i'm working with someone i think when album you know of understanding of an album it needs to be unified needs to be this one sound why is it like when i'm working with students i tell them this song sounds weird it sticks out you need to have this unified thing Uh, But we're doing the exact opposite. (laughs) That, That happens a lot. You teach something and you do something else. Uh, but it's also about, you know, my background is learning jazz music, where you learn these rules, and then when you go perform, you break all those rules. You're not supposed to, like, follow. It's not classical music, right? You just you do do your own thing. So um, the unified factor of this old, whole album is Natasha's voice and the songwriting. The sounds, the instruments, yeah, they, they keep going all over the place kind of, from song to song. But there is this unified factor, and it is her voice, her songwriting, the blend of English and Urdu, and adding those other colors, different voices as well a few collaborators different languages all that stuff I, I would think of those as also different colors right like using another instrument so yeah I, when i listen to these 11 songs it, it does sound like one album because of natasha but yeah focusing on the production yeah, we we have a lot of variety yeah. yeah
1: also, I want to add, like, the albums that Rishab and I were kind of listening to and wanting to, like, big fans of when we started this process were mostly pop albums. And the thing is, like, with the kind of learning Rishab and I have, it's very easy to get into a sophisticated album and have, like let's say a live studio recorded album and do all of these songs can be reinterpreted completely differently. The arrangements can be completely different. The instrumentation can be completely different. Same lyrics, you know, but different flavor. But I think by and large, both of us really were gunning for making a pop album. And I wanted to take the sophistication out of it in that regard. So for instance, Hire Moti is sounding the way it is, but it's a sophisticated Bollywood song, but it's also very accessible. And I think in order to make Something, I want, you know, the, I have been doing this a long time and I really wanted my debut album to, again, as Rishab said, be big or at least be accessible. And for us to do that, I think there needed to be that variety because if you listen to When I Took the Time, that's a completely different flavor. But, you know, that doesn't mean that there's not someone that's going to listen to this album that's going to want to listen to it. Someone that wants to listen to Cookie Jar will only listen to Cookie Jar. Someone that wants to listen to Miracle might only listen to Miracle. And so, like... You know, I'm so many years later, I thought I'd be doing my debut album so many years ago. And so now that I've approached also as an educator, as a person of the world today, as Rishabh said, I want a 15 year old to be able to listen to this and get something out of it. And I want a 50 year old to be able to get something out of it. You know, I don't know when I'm going to do my second album. And I've always, you know, for the longest time, I think I pushed doing this. Because I was like, I can be better, I can do better, I can sing better, I can write better. But also, I can be exactly who I am right now and speak to people as they are exactly right now. You know, and we, I had never thought of it that way. I'd never thought of like, you know, going to music school and being with the music industry, always pushing the boundaries and like sound more better and do chords and like harmony and just be better. Right? But also like, don't. Just be yourself, yo, and be who you are right now. And so that, I really wanted everybody to have something to listen to is the best way I can put it, which is why it's so diverse. And, you know, which is why, like, yeah, I want my seven-year-old niece to love this album. And I, and she does, actually. My niece heard Give It Up to the News, and she's like, Tasha Khaled, that was amazing. And I'm like, how did you understand? And he was like... But that's just the thing, you know, we also underestimate our audiences to such a huge degree. Like, we think making a record is about, like cracking some code and like giving people what they want. And it's really not that, not to my, not, not the records that I've enjoyed listening to and loved. Like it's never been about them cracking the code of my psychology. It's always been about honesty and earnestness, whether it's Joni Mitchell or Beck or Tool or, you know, we were listening to Rare by Selena Gomez a lot for this album, actually. And she does that. And Rare is a very diverse album.
2: That was and kind the of that... our initial template, right? Rare, we were oh, listening yeah. to that and thinking we want something like this. Yeah. Even though it didn't turn out to be like that, because it won't be, right? You you have this vision in mind. You say, okay, we want it to sound like this. When you implement it a year later, it's like a totally different thing, which is great. So it's our vo- or our version of that. Yeah, it's like when you get a picture
0: of a There's a picture of a tiger and you get a pencil and you try and draw the tiger. <laughs> And, it, <laughs> and it's your version of it yeah. except
1: except we're very good at drawing so
0: we're uh, ex- yeah, that was a really bad analogy from me by the way i was really do trying you to do, uh, do a instead? <laughs> you, you know actually what <laughs> that takes me to and i'm going right on a tangent here but you know what i, I love about what you just said is that I relate it to life drawing a little bit, you know, when you're, you know, life drawing, like you you draw a nude model in the center of a room, and at the end of the drawing, like maybe like a 20 minute pose or something, you all walk around the room and look at each other's drawings, and they're all so different. Different, yeah. And um, I think that you're all like obviously you're all being inspired by the same thing it's the same model that's right in front of you but it's really about you know you can try and do something but it's always going to have your flavor on it and with you two being as not only as experienced as you are as in you know you've been in the industry for a long time you've been writing songs since forever Natasha you you know you've been working on productions for a long time Rashab and you've both been working together but now it really feels as though what feels different to me about now for you is that you've learned that your voice is really powerful saying the things that come the authentic things the the things that come true to you that resonate with you in your life i feel like that's the real difference between maybe some of your previous work and and your work now is like no i have a voice and i can use it and this is how i want to use it and that's the that's the feeling yeah, that I got.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I feel uh, not having a record label made a huge difference where we can do whatever we want, have whatever voice we want because it does. The, I like that analogy. You know, the whole nude model p- painting. Everybody has their own uh, version of it, which is true. But let's say you you're working for someone and they tell you, you go do that painting, and we have this catalog of paintings. Make sure it looks the same, right? And then you're like, okay, I better paint it inappropriately or uh, appropriately. Because I've been paid for this gig, I don't want to lose my job, so I'm going to make sure I'll give them exactly what they want. So we don't have that, right? So every person I feel is unique on this planet and anybody does anything, they can be successful and great at what they do. But unfortunately, we're all like, you know, burdened by this obligation of no, I need to do this thing because that person said this or I'm working for this company. I need to make sure that sounds, looks, feels, tastes a particular way. So we did not have that. I was always bummed that we don't have a record label. It'd be awesome to have like this big record label to have that support. But we've embraced that. We've embraced that we don't have a big record label. We just have our own voice and we this complete freedom to do whatever we want. If you look at I'll give you an example of probably Beyonce. She was with the record label right from the beginning, after the whole uh, the trio she had, I'm forgetting the name, Destiny's Child. And she was with the record label. She, I guess, had to do what she was told. But eventually, when she realized she's big enough, where she does not need that support from a record label, she put out a record where it was her voice. It was She even changed her name, representing this other personality. A lot of uh, artists do that. Initially, when they're successful, it's all because there's all these other people involved and they kind of push that thing. Then finally, they'll get their chance on their fourth record or fifth record. Like, this is really me. What you heard up to now was just other people telling me what to do. This is now me. But for us, our first album is us. So that's, I think, Mm -hmm. a, a good thing that we're doing here. Yeah. Yeah, and I
1: mean it's it doesn't come without its challenges, but I would much rather take the challenges that we'll have to go through, which is how do we really promote this album? How do we really get it so that as many people as possible can listen to it? How do we? All of that is going to be very challenging for Rishab and I, but the music just like it's so true, it's so us. We're very lucky that we started doing music in this shift of industry where we could recognize the pros and cons of what it means, and that doesn't mean like if tomorrow. Rishiv and I decide to do another album and we get a label on board. It doesn't mean that we won't, but it's just that if people pay attention to our first album together, it's already set in motion and it's already set a tone for what it is that him and I can say together. I mean, even Taylor Swift had to do this. She had issues with her record label. They're not even giving her music back. So she re-recorded her entire discography, right? And Taylor's version is coming out now. So I just feel like by and large, no matter what way you get into this career, artists eventually want the same thing and learn the same lessons. You know, we're very lucky that in this day and age, we're getting to put out our voices so authentically out there, which is very, very lucky. And I mean, I think one of the reasons I didn't produce and release music for four years was because I was trying to figure out how to do the distribution myself, how to f- the label myself, how to set up Tiny Dancer Live and make sure that I'm now registered at BMI, Rishab is registered at BMI. That's huge. I don't think Pakistani artists do that. So like I'm in the middle of figuring out a structure that was going to benefit him and I right now, but also by and large benefits anyone that kind of can relate to the kind of journey him and I have had and the desire that we have to put out what we want to put out and to have a way to do that like in Pakistan our issues are things like we don't have PayPal how do I get money in you know I sell stuff on Bandcamp I don't know how to get that money in so you know like it's been that kind of rigmarole but it's been so I think at this point it's I'm very proud and it's going to be so rewarding that this is coming out independently and that, you know, it gives us the opportunity to reach out to other independent content creators and other independent artists and, uh, like, the kind of campaign I'm prepping for this album, I have 150 names right now of just artists I love on Instagram that I will send the album to and be like, please create whatever content you want around this. It's a small bit, but at the same time, Rishabh and I are also working diligently to do the other side of things. Like, I love having my feet in both worlds, so I'm going to be working with artists on this and getting paintings made I don't know dance made or whatever but I'm also gonna cold email the big guns and be like we made this listen to it in part like I think Rishab and I balance each other out because I'll come up with these creative ideas but Rishab will be like no but we're gonna do the proper thing too which is why the album sounds like it's quality right so it's a really exciting time I think you know um we're putting our imposter syndromes in a box and we're going out and getting it and God knows what's going to happen.
0: Imposter syndrome? But Are you kidding me? What? I can't believe you guys do has it. Everybody syndrome. has it. No way.
1: Everybody has it. <laughs> Everyone has it. Yeah. You know? It's um, like, damn, if I was yeah, as good a-
0: as you in your field, I'd be, yeah, imposter syndrome wouldn't be a thing, but maybe you're right. Maybe it is. I had someone say to me the other day that they felt like they were talking to a celebrity because I've heard a few episodes of my podcast's like, and I was like, what are you talking about?
2: That's the thing. It's always relative, right? I was talking to another friend of mine about um, uh, being rich, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I feel I'm rich and I I have a home and all that stuff. And so we're rich. But look at somebody else. I don't know. Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> oh, they're rich. But also, look the other, uh, at the other end. Maybe someone who's poor, right? So what do you mean Poor. Maybe they still have a home, but they just don't have the things that we have. What about someone who's even more poor than that? Someone who's homeless? Well, they're still alive. Someone else is dying, right? So, so the dying who tell the poor fella on the street, hey, at least you can walk around the street, even though you're naked, at least you, you are alive. I'm about to die, right? So there's, there's all these levels of, you know, whatever emotion you're feeling. There's it's always someone better than you and always someone worse than you. You yes. just take except who you are. You know what? I love that. And, and that kind of reminds me of a thought that I had
0: way back, back in the day about like Einstein's theory of relativity, how it's so scientific and how it's so about like, you know, the speed of light or the versus the speed of sound or and things like that. But then I'm like, no, Einstein's theory of relativity also is psychological for those very same reasons that you spoke about. Like two people get out of bed the same sun is up on that planet. It's still spinning around the same sun going through the universe. But one of us wakes up in a great mood and the other one wakes up in a less good mood and the finances might not have anything to do with it. It's that person's, just their disposition. Yeah, Yeah. and so.
1: Schrodinger's get. We're always in Schrodinger's get.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the other thing about you guys, sort of working on this album that I want to touch on again, you touched on it a little bit earlier, is that you got to choose the musicians that you work with as well. And that, you know, it's a full South Asian or Asian album that you've produced, which is something that, you know, we did touch on it earlier. I wanted to stress on that again because it's something that you should be extremely proud of. It's one of those other things that, you know, when you listen to this and you think, oh, wow, this is this is a really great bit of work. You forget like some of the nuance around the creation and what it means to be able to pull people from your cultures in to create this gorgeous piece of work, which, Rashab, you mentioned, is also really right up there as in it's a Western-sounding album. And we put all of the fusions that we wanted in there in terms of our language, in terms of our sounds, and in terms of our actual people that we got to make it. That's just like, how could you not love that?
1: Lilia, I just have to say I really love how much you've heard the album I really love how much you like this is so nice thank you so much it really means the world no this is for me Rishab and I you're the first person outside our circle that's heard it and has an opinion and has a perception and it's it's really nice that you've actually spent time reading lyrics and, you know, connecting with it emotionally, this is very, very special. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I, I'm gonna, thank you, and thank you Rashab, as well. And I think, um, you know, I love doing research on my guests. I, get, I guess I'm a little bit obsessed with like learning as much about you as I can. And if you give me a bit of work to listen to, of course I'm going to, but also just to give the audience context again, that you gave me access to like a private SoundCloud link and along with that obviously i got to listen to the music and what you see is how many times i've heard a track or a track has been listened to and i sort of took that for granted about halfway through i kind of realized i was like oh yeah she's gonna tell that i'm listening to this one song like again and again and again yeah. like a, I so totally rishabh
1: kind. he's he's been at it when did you He's been at it, did you?
2: (laughs) That's an interesting (laughs) song. It's gone through a lot of um, changes, right? Because it's it's an old uh, track that we kind of revitalized and completely transformed. It was a purely electronic track initially in its different form. It literally had a different name as well. And now it's very much acoustic. There's a lot of acoustic elements. I'm playing mandolin. We have Danish playing some guitar, acoustic guitar as well. So it's it's really transformed. And I've, I've heard the previous version. I, I feel like this really is the best version of this song. Oh, yeah.
1: I also really like that we evolved. Uh, I remember when we were reworking the song, I told Rishabh, I was like, look, this is a good song, but the lesson in it is a little outdated. And I I wouldn't feel right if I don't update the lesson. So we added that end outro, which for me, it's really like it's that song kind of represents an evolution of my person almost. Like sonically, it's evolved. The name has evolved, but also it's gone from... It's a shift in perspective. It's definitely a shift in perspective, which is why I think it's resonated so much with you. Yeah. I really love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's like so many plays on that, Richard, He's like listening to it for the last 15 days every day.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Five times a day. I like to, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you, know, it's, it's nice, yeah, it's a nice track. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I love how you both were able to sort of encapsulate how, yes, Rishabh, it's, it's an older track, it was called Time, and in brackets, Candles. And, uh, of course, you gave me the the album, uh, the private link to the album to listen to. But, of course, I wanted to listen to some of your other work as well in order to, you know, compare and contrast, right? Especially the work that you did together on Glitchy. You can get it wrong.
2: (laughs) You can
1: get it wrong. It might get glitchy. For the audiences that are listening that might be confused or watching that might be confused, we yeah. don't mind that Louis gets the name of our yeah, first be wrong. You know, but Just so you know, it is, it might get glitchy.
0: I was trying not to get it right then. I was like, don't get it right, don't get it right. <laughs> and, and, um, and, and then I came across that track. I came across it and I was like, oh, I've heard this before. And so the reason for some of the extra plays was like me going, hmm. um, and I'm not deflecting here. I, I, I'll get to the point um firstly i was like oh well i've heard the track as it was originally and this was years ago this is this is an old ep right and now i'm trying to i want to hear it again because i'm I'm trying to understand you know if there's any way of being able to tell an artist's or or a duo's evolution in their musicality it's by taking a track that they've reworked right that's the easiest way of doing it and so part of the reason why i listened to it a few times was so that i could get a firm grasp on that um, but also, like I admitted to Natasha a little bit off air before you jumped on, Rashad, was that I, I was getting lost in the lyrics and I was getting really emotional and uh, it brought me to tears. And yeah, I wanted to feel those feelings. And I think it was, oh, let me go back to the lyrics. So you think you were smart about it. So you thought that you had got it right. So you think that that's what you wanted. So you thought you were a shining bright. Did you lie to yourself? Did you wonder why? There's no telling anymore. Those lines, it's just like, oh. The last 12 plus months of my life where I was trying so hard to make something work and it fell apart and it was always going to fall apart. It was falling apart right in front of me all the time. And there was just, I kept on telling myself, that i could fix this that i could solve this that there was a way around this that that's what i actually wanted and so as well as listening to that track multiple times to understand the evolution of it it was about it really hitting and striking a nerve with me personally and then me realizing that holy shit i have been lying to myself a lot and it hurts did you
1: wonder why Sorry, sorry, please continue. Sorry, sorry, sorry.
0: No, that was a good way for us to get. I was
2: waiting for one of you to rescue me here. That was one of the first songs I think we started last year when we said, "Okay, let's do this thing. Let's rework this particular song." And you talked about, you know musicians being or artists being in different stages of their life and i think we were at least me personally i can talk about how i started off in music playing guitar and i kind of went off another direction producing and kind of lost touch with that recently i came back to it and i've surrounded myself with all kinds of different guitars in my room and at least my my voice i feel is represented in this in this entire album i'm I'm playing guitar pretty much in every song but in this song there's like so much guitar and i feel like it works really really well it's uh, such a different flavor and i feel it's more authentic i don't know why it just feels more authentic just maybe because i that always was my instrument even though i kind of went away from it when i came back to it i was like oh this is me this really feels me and it it worked really well with the song i enjoyed that
0: but i think it works extra well like that pure guitar sound because of the other layers that you add not only throughout the rest of the album but in that song it's that you you really notice sonically that contrast when you strip everything else back. And especially with the added lyrics at the end of that track that you've put in there, Natasha, it just, you strip it back musically and then y- your voice just gets that little bit more, I don't know, you know what you do with it. I'm not even going to try and describe it, but it just touches the soul a yeah. bit more. And it happens at exactly the same time. You both switch. It's like, oh, yes, make me cry. Oh, thanks.
1: <laughs> Also, like, I want to go back to what you were talking about, Louis, about like it affecting you emotionally or anyone I hope that listens to it. The entire, what you're talking about right now, the layers kind of fade out. The first part of the song for me is trying to put compositionally or musically in place this thing that happens inside my head or our heads when we're overthinking and we're overfeeling and we're over. Like, that's why the chorus doesn't build with a single melody line. It's got all these layers of like the previous thought that you had, because that's kind of until the dust clears and until the smoke is out, right, until you're on the other side of healing, it's really just a lot of thoughts, you know, and it's just a lot of like information and you don't know how to process it and coming in and did you lie to yourself? Did you wonder why? There's no telling anymore. You know, there's just a lot of things, but it all fades away when you, when I, in the way that I wanted this song expressed is a part of us just keeps getting stuck somewhere, right? Like it just keeps going back to that place until you know how to move on. So I'd like to think that you're still standing where I left you. But the truth is I have to go to a jungle and smile and dance now. Like I don't have time to keep coming back to this. So for me, like yeah, I, I'm really happy we did this song, and I'm I'm just so touched that it's affecting people. I think even Drishab was telling me one of his friends really likes it. One of my my housemate loves it. Oh yeah. She loves listening to it.
0: Yeah, so it's not yeah, just me. So... It's not just me.
1: <laughs> no, but it's also like it's so great to because I was I was a little confused about bringing back a song from another album and being like maybe people think that we're just kind of like being flippant but really it's represented Rishab so much more yeah it's represented all these feelings so much more and I just think it's so appropriate that it's on the album and it's also incidentally when Rishab and I worked together this song was the first one I produced when I went back home so the other two songs were written in Kuala Lumpur at college I used to take this songs to rishab we used to work in the studio together this was the first one i wrote completely by myself recorded all the layers completely by myself again in home studio i had gotten my little four by four table done little speakers that weren't even monitors at the time they were like they were computer speakers yeah i didn't have an interface i didn't have the setup i didn't have anything i just but i had this song and i really wanted to like put this idea of sonically repeating something until it makes sense and i sent it to rishab and you know it's just been that song's really been our journey of empowerment and speaking up and being ourselves so
0: yeah yeah for me it's also a bit of an anchor of a track Hmm. and it says that you know you haven't left those old notions behind as an artist that you can come back to them but you can come back to them with a different lens and i don't think enough artists do that and i dare say you know if you when you're working on a second album after you've, you've enjoyed the fruits of getting this one out there into the world and you work on a second album what a great thing to do to you know just one track on your next album is to revisit something that you did in the past you know just for um, fun just to see how idea. you've changed and it also yeah, it just kind of keeps people like me who I've become a fan of you, of course. It keeps people like me going, "Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, there's a new interpretation to this. I love that track." Or maybe I like the old one, but the original better, but or maybe I love this one what you've done with this one. With this one is definitely, I can tell that you've evolved it and that it was this this new version is just, yeah, really touching. So, yeah, I did actually cry and I was just about to I was actually about to well up just then as well. Um But yeah, so where are we at? We've discussed a fair few tracks on the album. You guys have been great. Where are you... When are you planning on releasing? Like, what's the next
2: stage look like from here? From it going from a private SoundCloud link to like okay so the album is done in terms of the writing stage i'm just working on making sure it sounds as best as i possibly can i'm doing i'm giving my everything i've never given anything this much time i yeah i just want to make sure that this is the best possible piece of work that we can reproduce so just making sure the mix sounds right i listen to it my car i listen to my headphones i listen to it school big speakers i listen to it on my phone i listen to it on whatever i can listen to just to make sure Oh, this sounds weird let's go back tweak that that sounds bad let's go tweak that that's so underestimated though like your fans will
0: listen to this but my listeners might not necessarily be that well versed in the creation of music and it's like oh it makes so much sense yes listen to it with headphones listen to it on your little tia maria um <laughs> ultimate ear speaker listen to it in your car it's basic stuff that we just take for granted as listeners
2: yeah, so, so that's the stage we're at right now. I'm hoping to finish this up by this weekend. We do have one little thing that we're planning to add musically. I'm also, yeah, a few musical elements. That's the nice thing about doing everything on your own. It's not like, you know, that stage of writing is done. We can always go back and throw in a few things here and there. So we might do that, but we're pretty much 99% done. Next Thursday, I'm going to LA for the mastering session. We have another Asian person who's going to be mastering, uh, Jet Galindo. She's from the Philippines. She's fantastic mastering engineer she's going to be mastering it most of the album but one track is going to be mixed by alvin Wee. he's a malaysian mix engineer he's like was a big shot in hollywood <laughs> he makes the music for disney's encanto and a whole bunch of other like big movies He's won awards for all that kind of stuff so he's mixing one song as kind of like a favor for us i've known him from long long time from back in malaysia he's doing an atmos mix a dolby atmos mix for one of the songs which is very exciting so one of our one of the Tracks is going to be in Atmos. What is that? I mean? do want it. So, okay, let's talk a bit about Atmos, maybe. So, Atmos is this new standard of surround sound that exists. So, if you go to the movie theaters, even like, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, it was always surround sound. But now the surround sound has evolved into something what Dolby is calling uh, Atmos. So, it's just a lot more speakers or sound sources, let's say, compared to um, 5.1 surround, let's say. So, Dolby Atmos mix is kind of a requirement these days for Apple. Apple's really pushing for Dolby Atmos. Alvin was telling me that if you want your track to be featured in the lists, like the top 10 or top 100 pop or whatever jazz record, it needs to be in Atmos. They don't feature it otherwise, which you know how Apple is. They'll they'll pick a standard and say, like, you have to follow this. I don't care if you can do it or not. A lot of people are re-releasing their work in Atmos because of this requirement by one of the big industry players. So we were so, so lucky to have someone who's done Dolby Atmos mixing and he's offered to mix one track in Atmos. I feel like at, at some point I, I would really love for the entire album to be in Atmos, mm-hmm. but for now just having that one song, Miracle in Atmos, would be great. So that's the timeline. Next week we'll do the mastering, and then we are planning to um, submit this for um, a Grammy consideration. Uh, oh, um, wow. Do you wanna say that
1: on the podcast? What the hell? <laughs> yeah. Go did, ahead, say it. You don't know say about it. that. I'm so scared.
2: Yeah. I'm so scared. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, I thought about this last year when I've reached out to her. That that was my goal. We got to do this. And we're going to get it out there. We're going to submit it for the Grammys. So that has some requirements. We're going through that, making sure that everything is the way it needs to be. Everything is in its right place, as said by Radiohead. <laughs> so they have a deadline for that and they have certain requirements. So we are trying to basically make sure we're, we're done with that. So sometime before the end of this month, everything will be done and be released. And Natasha's currently working on the album art, which is amazing because we had all these colors, right, in the album, and we're trying to represent that in one image, <laughs> So oh, yeah. so Natasha came up with a pretty cool idea and I think it's going to look fantastic. Yeah. So you're you're working on the album art right now.
1: Uh, yeah. So while Rishab is doing the mastering work, I am starting my photo shoots happening on Tuesday. So the idea we came up with was, it's actually interesting, my art director and concept artist have been using AI to generate concepts for me. And I said that I wanted to be on top of a mountain. And we did a bunch of like different prompts Basically, we're working backwards from this idea. So the photo shoot starts on Tuesday. And then whatever we get from that imaging, I mean, it'll never be exactly what we've planned it, like most creative things. But it's essentially the idea is that the photo shoot is of me with a bunch of instruments and then we're going to work backwards. And my artist is very, very talented and she does very good photo manipulation. So it's going to be partly real photograph, partly designed, partly illustrated. And we're doing things like... I really want the countries represented, but like not very obviously on the nose. So I'm putting together a list of countries and I don't know, maybe we'll have a trinket on the table. Let's see. I don't know what it turns out into. We got to take this picture first. But I mean, the idea is that we really want to and I'm in South Asian clothes, but I'm playing Western instruments and I have a fitting on Monday for clothes. So yeah, like uh, I think right now I basically I spoke to Rashab last week and I was like, if I'm done musically, can I just turn my marketing brain on and my creative brain off? So now he's still in the music and I'm like getting emails together and like doing this and setting this up and like this is you know I'm that's the phase we're in and we're hoping to release before the month ends. And yeah, just everything's happening at the same time. I'm also going to Pakistan within this month, right after the photo shoot. And I'm setting up shows there. I'm setting up interviews there, setting up promotions over there. I have some presentations I have to give, so I'm probably going to present the album and whatever we've done so far. So just trying to get as much opportunity and uh, involve as much of my network as possible. And then, you know, like this... I mean, the fact that you got in touch was so serendipitous and I I was going through your profile and I was like, but this is a place I feel like we can tell our story and it'll be relevant. So I'm just trying to, I'm in that phase right now where I'm like, where does this fit? Whether we like it or not, this album has become very feminist because it's a female voice. It's lyrically and ideologically. And I'm saying things that most women will not be allowed to say in Pakistan. So I'm just really like, I'm now gathering the ideas and I'm now gathering, like before this, it was just mad scientist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now it's like, okay, pull it together, write the documents, get the EPKs together, reach out to Instagrammers, reach out to blogs, reach out to just people, get the PR brain on. I've never done this before either. But I, I mean, how hard could it be, right? Just send someone an email and if they want, if they like the work. And also, like, I think the work speaks for itself, right? So my experience has been, I have always, like, last, this year when we released Khudse Bate, that became the motivation for Spotify Pakistan to make me ambassador. And I never thought that would happen. So it's one of those things where you try everything, something will work out. And what we don't think will work out, what we haven't even thought of might work out, right? Things we don't know of. We just, my only aim now is to talk about it as much as possible and represent it as much as possible and, you know, step into the power. This is a lot of work. Rishab and I have put a lot of heart into this oh. and I just, I wanna. I want to share that with the world yep. as much as possible.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I, I usually don't talk much about my own work, but I'm going to be um, overriding that natural instinct for this one exception. <laughs> so I'm already um, have some meetings. I'm trying to get some meetings arranged to to talk to some people. Yeah, just whoever I can to try and see how we can get this. We've made this piece of art. We would like the world to listen to it. What can we do? And I'm just trying every, every uh, avenue to make that happen. Yeah.
1: La- yesterday, I made a list of local radios actually i'm going to get in touch with you to give me a list of australian radio stations to email
0: 100 uh, percent. my city of melbourne Thank has you. some of the best radio in the world i say I, I must I say I've also been impressed with what I've been catching from um, Karachi Community Radio, KCR. Yes,
1: yes, KCR, absolutely. They're like long-time collaborators. Very, very fantastic work oh, that yeah. they're doing.
0: I love what, they, what they're doing for the local artists there. Um, we, we have similar radio stations here, uh, of course. That was the first thing I was thinking, actually, the other day. I was like, oh, yeah, we need to play this in Australia. Australian audience Yeah, needs I it. would
1: love to get that list off of you, and I'm happy to email them the bucket as soon as it's ready
0: yeah For sure, I'll help you out. And, you know, for me, it's been a real pleasure to connect with you over these last few months and sort of just go back and forth. And you've been really patient and uh, super communicative with me around when we could finally record together. And I'm so glad that you suggested not only that it coincide with the culmination of the album, but also that, you know, you wanted to get Rashab on board as well. We sort of dragged you here, Rashab. And thanks for finally opening yourself up to speak about your work. I think you speak really well about your work, and I think it's really clear to the audience when they're either watching or listening how different you both are, and how just that in itself is a recipe for putting a great piece of work together. So, yeah, I'm not sure where else we can go with this, but I'm I probably need to go to bed because it's two a.m. and I have absolutely Yeah, yo, loved Thank
1: you so much for.
0: Thank you for being up so late. You two are so good to talk to, though. I honestly could be here another two hours listening to you both talk about your art. It's just, it's an absolute thrill.
1: Podcast will get boring. We yeah. don't want a four-hour podcast yeah, nah, nah, on nah, anywhere. Amazing. That's my PR brain working. Like, no, That's this is true. too much content. That's true. That's true.
0: <laughs> but you know, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. If there's anything, have we left anything out that the audience needs to keep an eye out for? Um, when this will be out? Mid August, so just a rough time frame on. Late yeah.
1: August. Late, late August but also
0: late, yeah, August. late August uh-huh okay yeah. but hey thank I you. want to say from the bottom of my heart thank you so much for wanting to come on my podcast it's always just such a thrill for me to tell people stories and share the work that you're passionate about
1: this you- is by the way Louis this is the first time Rishabh and I have given an interview together in the entire time we worked
0: <laughs> all these years. Rishabh thank you Natasha thank you thank, thank, you. thank you, for you so having much you
2: so much it's wonderful my pleasure
0: we'd love to know what you thought of that episode of the Louis diaz podcast you can find us on instagram facebook youtube and even tiktok to let us know and be sure to follow subscribe and leave us a review on spotify where you can catch some of our other really great episodes thanks for listening and catch you next time